You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. And we are, this is a very special edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast because finally we are on the eve of the start of the 2020-2021 Cavalier season. Tomorrow night, this podcast will come out Monday, so Tuesday night, the Cleveland Cavaliers will take on the Charlotte Hornets. So very, that is not very correct. Wednesday. They have to wait until Wednesday, my brother. You're right. Today's what? <laughs> today is I'm Monday. Like, so I <laughs> thank you for correcting me. You're right. Sorry. Today is Monday. They will play the 23rd. I keep yeah. thinking today's the 22nd because I'm I'm leaving for Florida tomorrow. I'm going to see my parents. Oh, nice. Good for you. Yeah. So like my days are all jumbled. So I apologize. Yes, the 23rd. Sorry. Um, the NBA season will start tomorrow though. Yes. 22nd is the first day of the NBA season. Okay, so let's let's re- let's rewind that back a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't want to re-record because I've made mistakes before and we've just re-recorded. But let's try that again. So the Cavaliers will start their 2020-2021 season on Wednesday, the 23rd, against the Charlotte Hornets right here in Cleveland, Ohio. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Chris Fedor. I am Hayden Grove from Cleveland.com, and Chris is our Cavaliers beat reporter. And Chris. I mean, how excited are you to get going? How excited are you to get this thing rolling? Um, we've waited so, 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 so long for Cavaliers basketball. Last time we, you know, we saw the Cavaliers was in March. Um, it's been quite a long nine-month journey. Yeah, man, I'm just excited to get actual answers about who this team is and what they can accomplish and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, usually preseason is for that. Um, it's about experimenting. It's about answering questions. It's about getting some kind of foundation heading into the regular season. But everything's been so wonky for this team, not just in the offseason, right, with the nine months off, but even the preseason and training camp has been kind of wonky too. Colin Sexton missed the first three preseason games. He made his first uh, preseason start the other night in the finale. And um, while other teammates were able to debut earlier than him and, like, shake off the rust and and – get their first action in nine months. You know, Colin had to wait until the preseason finale for his first game in over nine months. So we didn't really get any kind of sense of him. Uh, Looked really bad, looked really rusty. Uh, Kevin Love was only able to play in one preseason game. Andre Drummond played three of the four. Dante Exum, only two of the four. So like a lot of the things that they wanted to do in training camp and in the preseason, they weren't able to do because they didn't have the bodies to use those kinds of lineups and they didn't have um, an opportunity to mix and match the way that they wanted to ahead of the regular season opener. So I'm just excited, Hayden, to get answers about this group because I feel like we've been asking so many questions and that's because those questions still linger going into the regular season opener. And that's funny because I think that I think that the answers are going to take a little longer than normal. Yeah. You know, because it has been such a wonky preseason. The Cavaliers specifically have, have kind of had their own issues with injuries and with guys missing time. Larry Nance Jr., Matthew Delavadova, Kevin Love, um, Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr. still hasn't uh, played in the uh, preseason yet and may not play, I would assume, probably not going to play Wednesday night. Um, but obviously, I think anything could change. Uh, it's just been a crazy, crazy offseason for them. And – you know, Kevin Love's status for, for Wednesday night is still in doubt. Um, 
Kevin Porter Jr. still in doubt. It looks like Colin is going to be good to go. But, I mean, some of these other guys, it's just been to come together as they have, as quickly as they have. It's just I don't know when we're going to get the answers about a lot of these questions that we have. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Um, I think J.P. Bickerstaff is going to continue to search for the right combinations and what works and what doesn't work throughout the course of the regular season. Um, and I think that that speaks to not their goals, because I don't think that's fair to put it that way, but I think it speaks to where this organization still is compared to some of these other teams in the Eastern and Western Conference. And yeah. because of that, um, I think we need to, and the, the organization would be wise to set their um, expectations According to that, of course, the Cavs are going to come into the season, Hayden, and talk about playoffs. And the players are going to talk about playoffs. And that should be a goal for the players. Um, I'm not sure that that should be a goal for the organization. And I think sometimes when you run into trouble as an organization, it's when you don't have an honest assessment of who you are and what you can be. And then your expectations are flawed from the very, very beginning and you start making moves, whether it's firing coaches, firing GMs, um, making trades, uh, lineup decisions that you want to make, things along those lines. I think that's when you start as an organization to get yourself into trouble. Yeah, I can completely understand that. Um, as In regards to Wednesday night specifically, yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about who, what the injury situation is, who Cavs fans can expect to see. So... Kevin Love, we still don't know. Don't know. Um, Colin Everything Sexton's, that I've heard, though, when it comes to Kevin and his calf injury is that it's quote-unquote minor. Okay, minor. All right, so could be good to go, but could also not be good to go, so we don't right. know. Um, Colin Sexton, good to go? Yeah, Colin's going to be good to go. Colin's good to go. Okay. Um, Dylan had a slight issue, fine. but he's he's fine. Um, who else? Let's see. Uh yeah, other than that, I mean, it seems like they're going to have most of their guys. Oh, Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, that's the one. That's the really big one. Um, still hasn't played in the in the preseason, but um, seemed to have some of the ish, those off-the-court issues uh, taken care of in terms of at least legally. Yeah. So um, the Cavaliers are going to, as you writ, as you wrote, the, they are going to uh, evaluate his uh, playing status. So what do you think? Think, I mean, do you think it's going to be a situation where he's going to have to practice a little more and get a little more in shape and get a little more, you know, with this group before he plays, or will they just throw him in there? In terms of reading between the lines, Hayden, I think, I think this is the kind of organization that is more cautious. Yeah. Whether it's about injury, whether it's about working a guy in too soon, um, and it seems like everything that they've been saying is pointing to we're not going to rush him. He hasn't had a lot of practice time. He hasn't had training camp. He didn't get the preseason build up. And we would be putting him in a dangerous spot um, by throwing him out there too soon. Yep. So that's that's my view of how they're probably going to handle it going into the regular season opener. I would doubt that he plays in the opener. Yeah, I mean, that just seems to be that's you're exactly right. I think that seems to be very much the case with the Cavaliers, you know, and especially with a kid that's so young and still growing and he's pretty green. And, you know, they're mm -hmm. trying to get him to adhere to a you know certain standard of of, you know, actions and whatnot. I think it would definitely yeah. make the most sense for uh, for them to be, you know, not treat him with kid gloves, but just, you know, take care of him a little bit more than maybe some of these other guys. Um, well, I think there's another layer to this, too, Hayden. Yeah. Um, I think the organization has to ask themselves, honestly, if basketball is the best thing for Kevin Porter Jr. right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is. Maybe they determine that basketball is exactly what he needs. It's the kind of structure that he needs. It's going to allow him to focus his attention elsewhere, right? Or maybe they determine that basketball is not the best thing for Kevin Porter Jr. right now, and he needs more self-care, and he needs to focus on Kevin and getting Kevin right off the court before introducing all the basketball back to him. Because I think the bottom line here is that even when they drafted him, there was a belief in his talent. Right. But there was always a question of, 
all right, if we give him structure, if we give him coaching, if we give him the things in his life that he's never had, what's it going to look like? At the same time, you don't want to use that as a crutch. You want to make sure that the guy can thrive outside of basketball and take care of the things outside of basketball that he needs to so that every time basketball is taken away from him, um, he stays in the same mindset. He has enough comfort within himself and in his surroundings that he can still thrive. You know what I mean? Like basketball can't be his crutch because sometimes that's going to go away. It's going to go away in the off season. It may go away because of a pandemic. Who knows what the situation is? Yeah. Um, so I think it's a delicate decision that this organization has to make about what's best for Kevin. Um, and it's one that they're not going to take lightly. The roster outside of, you know, with Kevin, with everything going on with him. I mean, the roster is essentially set for this 2020-21 season. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, I think the only thing that's left to be determined, obviously we'll see what happens with Kevin Love, is the starting lineup for the opening game. And it's something we've talked a lot about. We've talked a lot about, you know, what's going to happen with the three spot, what's going to happen with, you know, is Colin going to continue to start with Darius? I mean, so for the first game, you wrote about this recently, which is why I bring it up. Uh, the decision for that for that three is is tough. Um, you know, you have Jetty Osman, you have uh, Isaac Coral, you have Dylan Windler. Um, those are pretty much your three guys that you're looking at for the starting spot. Who for the Cavaliers on Wednesday night starts at that small forward position? Here's the thing that I think was really interesting. J.B. Bickerstaff made some comments following the preseason finale, Hayden, about how um, the decision on who starts isn't about like who the best player is necessarily yeah. or who was the best throughout the preseason or who was the best during training camp, or who has accomplished the most in their NBA career. It's about everything. It's about continuity. It's about chemistry. It's about the best five-man grouping. And I think this could go one of two ways. Mm -hmm. I think JP could look at it and say, Jetty Osman has the kind of NBA experience we can't afford to have three 21 and under players in our starting lineup, even though we do have Andre Drummond and Kevin Love potentially, or Mm -hmm. if Kevin Love's not available for the opener, we have Andre Drummond and Larry Nance Jr. I just think that's a lot of youth. So I think he could look at it that sort of way. At the same time, he could say the five-man lineup of Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, uh, Jetty Osman, Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland was absolutely horrible for us last year in about 50 minutes. Now, that's a small sample size, obviously, but that's what the Cavs have to go off of based on numbers um, because that unit uh, didn't get much of an opportunity um, throughout training camp or in the preseason. So if you go based off of those numbers, you have numbers that point you a different direction away from Jetty Osman, and you could sit there and you could say, if you're J.B. Bickerstaff, well, yes. Isaac's young, he's 19, it's a lot of youth in the starting lineup, but we do not believe the other five-man group is the best thing for us. Yeah. So let's put Isaac in there, let's get some defense, let's get some toughness, let's get more athleticism, uh, and let's bring Jetty Osman off the bench where maybe he can be a spark plug, uh, where maybe he can uh, initiate a little bit for the second grouping, Um, So I think that's what's fascinating for JB. And I think him saying that kind of brings it to light in a way of bringing everybody into the mix of what it is he's looking at. And just because he goes with Isaac doesn't mean he feels like Jetty stinks, right? Or just because he goes with Jetty doesn't mean he feels like Isaac isn't ready. There are a lot of different layers to this particular decision um, that, that go deeper, deeper, on the surface than maybe what people would think. And as I said, I mean, it's this could be a situation where the, he, he tries out a couple things in the first couple of weeks. Sure. In terms of starting lineup because and what it is on opening night doesn't mean right. that's what it's going to be on January 1st or something right. along those lines. Exactly. Exactly right. So um, did you, if you had to guess, would, would it be a Coral or a Jetty? 
I still think it's probably going to be Isaac. I think he's earned it. Um, but that's nothing against Jetty at all. Uh, I just think, again, there's not enough evidence, but but I think the numbers that the Cavs do have point them a different direction than the starting lineup from uh, last year. I, th- I think if you're if you're early on in the season, if you're going to run out the Darius Garland Collins Sexton grouping. I just think if you want that pairing to be successful on the defensive end of the floor, um, putting another limited defender with them is really asking for trouble. And yeah. it's putting them in a position, honestly, it's putting them in a position to fail. Um, so I'll still go with a Coro, even though I've gone back and forth on this and I'm probably going to change my mind before Wednesday night again. <laughs> and J.B. Bickerstaff might as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's spent the weekend really digging into this sort of thing and trying to figure out what's best for this team. Right. Um, Okay, so obviously Wednesday night will be be big because it's opening night. But, you know, I think we can talk about – start to talk about the season as a whole. You know, we've talked about the expectation is, yeah, the Cavaliers want to make the playoffs now. But, you know, we we discussed how maybe that, you know, isn't going to be the reality. So – I want to get into a couple things, like, you know, season preview kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we can start wherever you want. We can start with, like, predicted win total. We can start with, like, most improved player. We can start with, like, bowl predictions, um, Where do you, whichever you feel comfortable with. You tell me. I'm writing about all of them before Wednesday. So okay, beautiful. This kind Let's... of gives into a, a window into what I'm working on. Okay. Let's start with. Let's start with just this, the, the season win total. Now, right. because we have talked about the postseason, whether the Cavs are going to make the postseason. Um, I think we both are probably on the same page that they're, we, you know, we don't think they're quite there yet, but they could be with this expanded system. So I'll give you the opportunity first. Now it's a 72-game season, so it's mm-hmm. definitely not the 82, so that'll be a little different. Um, but the Cavaliers play 72 games. How many of them do they win? I've seen a lot of different predictions out there, Hayden. I think the over-under is around 22 or 22 and a half. Yep. I think that's about right, honestly. I mean, if you were to translate that into an 82-game season, that's about 27, 28 wins. That's right around where I was going to land on the Cavs before I learned that it was going to be a 72-game season as opposed to 82. Mm-hmm. So I think somewhere in that neighborhood. Here's something that I think is interesting, though. And this is something that I've talked about. This is something that I've written about, Hayden. Um, 538, take it with a grain of salt. They project things, whether it's the election, whether it's the NFL season, the NBA season, whatever. Correct. They run a bunch of simulations, and they come up with what they think is a win total for a team. I just want to point something out. The Cavs, according to 538, 22-50, Second worst in the Eastern Conference. This is the big however, though. Right? So, However. However, uh, the Bulls, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Knicks are all within three wins of that. Okay? Wow. So the bottom of the Eastern Conference between 10 and 15, like we've been talking about, is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Obviously, people think the Wizards are going to be better because they have Russell Westbrook. But that is still a wretched defensive team. The Chicago Bulls, people think, is going to be better, but they have so much new. A new coach, a new system, new players, new starting lineup. That's tough for a team like that coming into this season with the way that the offseason was. So they're projected for 25 wins. So my point is, no, I don't think the Cavs can be a playoff team. But the fact that there's a play-in tournament that extends it to 10, and the fact that there are only like nine teams in the Eastern Conference that you feel any good about whatsoever, that you can project around 30 wins, means that the Cavs are going to be lingering at the very bottom of the Eastern Conference, but still in close proximity, I think to the 10 spot in the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying they're going to get it. I'd pick a team like the Wizards over them. I'd pick a team like the Bulls over them. But the gap between 
10 and 15 is so, so small, whereas the gap between 10, 15 all the way to nine is vast. So if we're comparing the Cavs to these other teams in the Eastern Conference, we're not looking at the Hawks, right? We're not looking at the Pacers. We're not looking at the Brooklyn Nets or the Miami Heat. It's their competition essentially at the bottom of the Eastern Conference is all in a similar position as them where 538 only sees three win difference between all of those teams at the bottom. Um, So I think that's right. I think that's where the Cavs are. I probably have them as a 22, 23, I'll go 23 win team this year. Um, And that's going to be one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. But it's also going to be really, really close, I think, to the number 10 seed, which is um, enough for a play-in opportunity. So you say 23 wins and no play-in. 23 wins, no play-in, miss it, barely. Barely. Okay. I think that's fair. I'm going to go 25 wins. Wow. Um, just just because, you know, as you said, the 2-3 to three win... I don't know. I, I think that I think they're going to grow a little bit as the season goes along. I think JB is going to help them, um, you know, come together. I think as uh, Kobe Altman said, he's kind of the perfect guy to run them through this, um, you know, this very very tough off season. I think Isaac Coro makes a difference. I do. I think he makes a big difference and he helps them defensively, um, and you know, just having that presence, maybe a little bit of an offensive game that he's kind of developing as well helps them. I think Darius Garland has a much better season, obviously, after a really, really tough rookie year. I think he's now had time to kind of get healthy. I think Colin takes a step in the right direction. I think the biggest question mark is Kevin Love and and Drummond um, because those guys are, you know, they're vets. They've been there a long time. They've played at an all-star level. But, you Mm -hmm. know, where is Kevin? You know, is he going to be a guy that continues to be hurt and continues to have, you know, a desire maybe to play elsewhere? Or... Um, is he going to be completely bought into the Cavaliers and what they're doing? Is Andre Drummond, um, you know, going to get back to that form and try to earn that big contract right. again? Or is this uh, something where, you know, maybe he's just not just that the kind of position that he plays just is so outdated that it doesn't matter. So um, those are the big question marks to me. But I'll still go 25 wins. I think that. Um, you know, Kevin will have a couple games where he'll, you know, be look vintage form. And um, I'm excited to see Kevin Porter Jr. back. I think obviously I think, you know, he's kind of the I think Kevin Porter Jr. is kind of the not forgotten. But I mean, he was everybody was so excited about Kevin Porter Jr. last year. Mm-hmm. And then everything that's happened with him in the preseason and the offseason, you know, he's just been kind of put on the back burner. But if they can find a way to, to, to get him right again and get him right mentally and off the court and all that. I mean, on the court, I'm, I would really be excited to see what he can do. And and maybe he does end up in the starting lineup. Maybe he does end up, you know, having a much, you know, even a, even better season this season. And he really solidifies himself as an up-and-coming star. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited for, you know, for obviously the young guys. And uh, obviously, the, I think the biggest questions are the um, the more uh, the more veteran guys. And Kevin and Andre, I think they'll kind of determine how good or how bad this season will go. So I'll go 25 wins. Um, so that would put them at, I'm nobody, nobody asked to do math. Uh, 23 <laughs> would be, that'd be 49, 23 and 40, or excuse me, 25, 25 and, and 47, 47. Okay. Thank you. Sheesh. <laughs> I told you I'm awful at math. I've told you this multiple times. Well, so you, so you would be it. 23 and 49. I would be 23 and 49. Yes. yes. All right. And I'd be 25 and 48. 47. 47. I got get it. it. Get it together <laughs> over there, Grove. <laughs> oh, I, I, it's been a, like after last night it was so, such a late night. And then today I've, I got Christmas. I, it's, I'm not I, I'm not making excuses for my math skills because they are awful. But Sorry. it has been a crazy, crazy uh, 24 to 48 hours. I will say uh, this, though. Um, in terms of your questions, it's funny because I had a player text me um and he said, what are your three biggest areas of interest heading into the season? A player texted you this? Yes, a player texted me this. Interesting. Just what am I following this season? He wanted to get my feel for this. Um, because we were having a conversation, and I think the last time we had the conversation, we left off with a lot of variables to your success this season. Yes. So I think you hit on a bunch of them. And this is a piece that I'm working on for Cleveland.com. Yeah. Um, 
the Cavs have been talking about how they want to overachieve. Right. And that's that's the way that they're looking at this. They're not looking at this is player development. They're trying to shift from player development mode into teaching winning basketball mode and then overachieving mode. Mm-hmm. So I think the first one you hit on, it's the engagement level of their top two players. Yep. No matter how we break it down, Kevin Love and Andre Trump, whether they should be or not, and what this means for a team's success is up for debate. But what's not up for debate, Kevin Love and Andre Drummond are the best, most important players that the Cavs have. Correct. It's bottom line. They're the most accomplished. They're the most talented. What is their engagement level? Yeah. And what happens, as you said, if losses pile up early on in the season or there's a three-game losing streak or the young guys aren't playing the way that the veteran players would like them to play? How does that manifest itself? Mm -hmm. Can they stay engaged? Can they keep their emotions in check? Can they keep from having outbursts on the court, Kevin Love? Can they keep from, you know, stewing behind the scenes? Can they keep from wanting to be traded? Um, How those guys play is going to have a huge, huge role in how many wins the Cavs can get. Correct. And I don't know how to quantify engagement, to be honest with you. I don't. Um. The other one is the defense. Yep. So they've talked all offseason about being better defensively. They've made some changes to the defense schematically. They're going to mix in some zone. They added some pieces so that the personnel is better on the defensive end. And that's a good start. But here's the truth. So let's say they go with a Coro in the starting five, right? Let's, let's say they go with him instead of Jetty Osman. That starting lineup only has one and a half good defensive players. Yeah. And Okoro's a rookie, okay? And Andre Drummond, while J.B. Bickerstaff's talking about Defensive Player of the Year and Andre Drummond's talking about Defensive Player of the Year, he um, he shifts into engaged defensively and being really, really active defensively. So he's not, like, consistent enough defensively where you can feel like, all right, this is an anchor um, who can allow the Cavs to significantly improve on the defense end. So, no, it can't get worse, the defense, based on what has been the last two years. But how much better can it truly get? Yeah. Um, I still think, Hayden, even with some of these additions, the Cavs are going to be a bad defense. Yes. I think teams are going to be able to score on them consistently. Yes, and that just goes with – I just think that goes with their guards. I really do. I yes. Mean, Right. It's a guard-driven league, guard score, and, you know, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are just very below average guard or defensive guards. They don't have a lot of plus defenders, to be honest with you, throughout the yeah. course of up and down this roster. Larry Nance Jr. is, I think Isaac Okoro can be, I think Exum can be. Uh, we're running out of spots already. Yeah. You know, like, Andre Drummond can be when fully into the game plan – when focused on the right things, um, he can make a difference. It's just right. he's got to do that consistently for 48 minutes throughout a game, and then he's got to do that consistently throughout a year. And then my last one is is year two Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. He's the point guard of this team. That means he's the engine of this offense. What is he? I have no idea what he is. I have no idea what he can be. The preseason was not good for Darius. He had, I think, five more turnovers than assists. Not what you want. Obviously, he's defending a little bit better. I think he's trying harder on the defensive end. He's fighting through screens. He got stronger and leaner so that he can do that in a better way. But I have a lot of questions about this offense being run by a guy going into year two who has a lot to prove. Yeah. So young point guards usually mean losing. You know, can Darius change that? Can he be significantly better than he was as a rookie? And how much better can he get? What's his ceiling? Those are, to me, the three biggest variables of this group. And then to add in a fourth, it's the ceiling of Colin Sexton. Because a big reason why, Hayden, they went five and six in the 11 games with JB 
yeah, part of it was JB. Part of it was Andre Drummond being added at the deadline. Um, an enormous part of it was Colin Sexton morphed into one of the best players in the Eastern Conference for a two-month stretch where he was scoring efficiently um, and he was giving the Cavs enough playmaking, um, especially in March, where it seemed like he was starting to make big strides in that particular area. So how much better can he get? A lot of people around the NBA, Hayden, feel like, one, the column that we saw in the final two months of last year's regular season was a mirage. And if it wasn't a mirage, that was his ceiling, and he can't get any better than that. Okay. So even then, I mean, like I said earlier, Kevin Porter doesn't even enter the top five. It's I don't in, know how you could. I don't know yeah. how you could right now. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's that's kind of exactly my point is that, like, after everything that happened and, you know, I don't know about you, but I, like that, that was like the highlight of the end, like the end of last season for me, like was for sure Kevin Porter Jr. Like, man, this kid is playing. This kid is balling. Like this kid might be the best pick in that draft, like the best yep. pick they have in that draft. And, you know, he could be a super, he could be a potential star. And then just like nine months later, it's like, oh, is Kevin Porter even going to be involved? I mean, you know, right. it's just crazy. Yep. I would it's, agree. It is what it is. Um, all right, we're, let's move on to – so we did our win number predictions, did our big uh, big points for the season. Let's do um, most improved or, you know, kind of X factors. We talked about Kevin Love and Andre Drummond being X factors. Let's do most improved. Like who who do you think is going to have a breakout year? Who do you think is going to be the best um, kind of player in terms of coming off of last season? Can I say Andre Drummond? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can. I didn't think he was great in the eight games that he was here with the Cavs. And the numbers kind of point to him being a liability for them. Um, I think Andre is motivated this year in a contract year. I think he saw what Rudy Gobert got in terms of an extension and started thinking about 2021 free agency and what kind of market he could have, especially with all the big name free agents in 21 taking themselves out of the mix with contract extensions. So everything that I have heard is that Andre Drummond has dominated in training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very good in the final preseason game that he played, which was the third one. And I think he gives the Cavs an opportunity to have that kind of dominant force inside that they haven't had in a long, long time. Now, what does that mean in the NBA? We can talk about that all day long, but An engaged Andre Drummond can be very, very good for this team. He can be a significant asset. So I think coming into the year at the very beginning, I think he's going to be better than he was in the eight games for the Cavs when they acquired him in a trade. So I'll start with him. And I think Jetty Osman is going to be better this year um, than, than he showed last year. That would definitely be a welcome improvement. Um, you know, like we've talked about Jetty a lot. I mean, again, when LeBron first was there and, and he, came, you know, saw Jetty, I mean, his praise for Jetty was effusive. And right. uh, since then, it's kind of been, you know, a drop off from, you know, and again, LeBron definitely makes everyone around him better. So I completely understand that. But um, but it would be nice. It would be a welcome, welcome sight for Jetty Osman to be better. Um, you know, as much as I want to say Darius Garland, I just don't know. I, right. I don't know. I don't know if I can say Darius Garland is going to take that next leap. Um, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's because of a shortened offseason or just a weird offseason. Maybe that's because of everything. But he's also had nine months to get healthy. He's had nine months to kind of work on his game. So I, I am going to say I'm going to put my faith in Darius Garland. I'm going to say that Darius Garland goes from and now I'm not saying he's going to be you know a great player, but I'm just going to say he, he last year. It's arguable that he was the worst player in the NBA. There, there are metrics that say that. Um and I don't think that's true. But um, with that said, I think he does. He is better this year. I think he, you know, he learns this, learns the game a little better. I think early on it might be a struggle, as you said. You know, preseason game, he's been turning the ball over and not, you know, not making it run. But I think as the season goes along, he'll start to improve. He'll get more comfortable, and I think that um, his three-point game is definitely going to be um, better than it was last season. And then I want to see Dylan Windler. I don't know. I mean, obviously anything would be an improvement over what we saw yeah. from Dylan Windler last season because he didn't really play or he didn't play at all. But um, I mean, 
I want to see what the Cavaliers have in him. I want to see what, you know, what everybody's so excited about. I mean, maybe can't, maybe he can be that kind of guy off the bench that really just can come in and give you a flurry and quickly. So I'm excited for him too. Um, but I think my, I'm the thing that I'm kind of most disappointed about is that I can't really say Kevin Porter Jr. Because, you know, he would obviously be the person that I would be the most interested in seeing and, and watching and, and you know, would be talking about in terms of his development. But he's got to get the off-the-court stuff figured out first, and that's the most important. So w- when Kevin Porter Jr. comes back, I'm just so interested to see if he can pick up where he left off or if it's going to be a completely different kind of, you know, restart for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be awesome if he could. Um, if he could continue to build off of what he showed especially at the end of last season. Yeah. As we've written, as we've talked about, there were people inside the organization saying he was the one. He was the most talented of all the young guys that they had. He was the quote-unquote untouchable in the trade conversations. Um, In a big picture, you know, shifting him to the starting shooting guard spot to pair next to Darius Garland, like all of a sudden that gives the Cavs more size in the backcourt, right? All of a sudden that gives the Cavs more athleticism, more intensity, maybe on the defensive end, more length, and then bring Colin Sexton off the bench. Again, we're getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But when you start projecting forward in the big picture, you start to feel like at least that whether, whether he deserves it more than Colin is a completely different conversation. But as JB was talking about five man groupings and what's the best five man grouping for this team. You know, all of a sudden, if you have Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., Isaac Okoro, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, that's a lot different of a look. That's a lot different potential for that fivesome than what we saw um, out of four of the five with Okoro mixed in there as small forward last year. Uh, So yeah, if Kevin Porter Jr. can get it together, if he can make better decisions off the court, if he can shake some of his demons, if he can do the self-care that he needs to get himself back. Um, I think he can be a huge asset for this organization moving forward. Um, but the question about Kevin coming into the NBA is the same question today. Um, it's can he get it together off the court to reach the unbelievable potential that he has as a basketball player? And there's nobody who could answer that question today. I don't even think KPJ could answer that question today. Absolutely correct. All right, let's go to, I think that's a perfect segue into bold predictions. So you're doing a bold predictions piece. Um, you can do as many as you want. If you got three, you can give me three. You got two, you got one, doesn't matter. Give me give me some bold predictions. Uh, Kevin Love will be on this team at the end of this season. Is that bold? I don't think that's bold. Uh, I was about to say, is that bold? I mean, I feel like we say that we say every year that Kevin's going to get traded, and then every year he doesn't. So yes, I think he will be at the, on this team at the end of the year. Um, Andre Drummond will get flipped at the deadline. Is that bold? I don't that's, think that's really that's, that bold. I mean, it's kind of bold. Okay. All right. I think he'll get like flipped. Half, at the deadline. You have like you have like a half of a bold. <laughs> right. Um, you have like a you have like a you have like a lukewarm prediction. I mean, I just don't think there are a lot of bold predictions for this team. I have one. All right, go ahead. And it might not be super bold, but Colin Sexton will end the season on the bench, coming off the bench. I don't think that's that bold either. No? No, I don't. <laughs> Damn, I thought I had like a kind of a bold I one. I mean, I don't think that's significantly bold. There are a I, lot of people within the organization and there are a lot of people around the NBA that have said that he would be ideal in a six-man role. And that's a belief. Um, I just, I don't know that that's... So we have, like one, we have like one bold prediction between the two of us. <laughs> like, what are you going to say about this particular yeah. team? Like, is it really bold to say that Isaac Okoro is going to be in the Rookie of the Year mix? I don't think no, that's you that... Could say, you could say Isaac Okoro is going to win Rookie of the no, Year. No, I'm not going to say that. Because I don't think he's going to. That would be bold. (laughs) That would be bold if you said that. But I don't believe that to be the case. Okay. I think he'll be in the mix. I don't think he's going to win it. I don't think he's going to put up big enough numbers to win it. I I don't think the things that he does well uh, that are going to make him such an asset for this organization in his first year, I don't think those scream Rookie of the Year because they're not gaudy stats. They're hidden stats. So... Uh, 
So who is so who is going to win rookie of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think Lamelo, Obi Toppin. I think one of those two guys stands out because they're going to get a huge opportunity and they're going to get um, an opportunity to inflate their numbers. I I think Patrick Williams could be a sneaky candidate. He might start for Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, Those two really stand out to me. I don't know about Anthony Edwards. James Wiseman could probably be in the mix too. I think he's going to get an opportunity in Golden State and the Golden State's probably going to be better. Yeah. Uh, well, they're going to be better than the Cavs. They're going to be pushing for one of the play-in spots um, in the Western Conference, maybe even higher than that. So I think he could certainly be in that mix. All right. I, yeah, I mean, I, to I, come I, up I, with I, something bold. Like, I don't know that I have something. I, okay, maybe I should have just gone with, like, predictions, like strong <laughs> predictions or, like, Cavs <laughs> predictions, something bold. You know, but people just like that bold predictions. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, who leads the Cavs in scoring this year, Colin? That's a good one. That's a good question. I'll go with Kevin Love. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'll go with Kevin Love. I th- I think it's going to take Colin some time to get used to this offense. He's saying that he's not going to be used in a different role. JB Bickerstaff has said that he's not going to be used in a different role. But but I think there's going to be a slight shift away from dominant Colin Sexton, high usage Colin Sexton. So I'll go with Kevin Love. Okay. Probably around like 19 a game or something like that, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously the most talented player the Cavs have, so. Um, yeah, I still think the most important player that they have, too. Yeah, like we said, absolutely. Um because, again, they're kind of the big question marks. I mean, Andre Drummond and, and Kevin Love. Will the Cavaliers have an all-star this year? Mm-hmm. Let me give this more thought before I say yes or no on this one. I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm thinking pepper, Drummond's I'm got you, a shot. So like, I, I appreciate that you're taking it. So you can, you can take as long as you need. I think Drummond's got a shot. I do. Um, the East has... Bam, Joel Embiid, Miles Turner, whatever. I think Drummond's got a shot. All right. Does Kevin Love have a shot averaging 19 a game? No, I think the front court is too loaded in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Okay. I like it. I just think, like, so they do backcourt, frontcourt, obviously. Yeah. But I think Drummond has the kind of numbers right that could give him a shot in the eastern conference even though front court as i believe is loaded like more like he'll put up gaudier stats i think than kevin love yeah and that could allow him to sneak in there in the front court even though it's it's pretty loaded is he like a 15 and 10 11 guy who's that drummond yeah like he could honestly be just like last year, 17 and 15. 17 and 15, yeah. Something along those lines. I don't, I don't know who else is going to rebound on this team, really. Well, Kevin, but yeah. yeah I mean, Trist, that's where you miss Tristan, especially right. on the offensive glass. For sure. Um, and like I said, I think Andre is is going to be motivated in a contract year. And I think he's going to get some opportunities to kind of be an offensive hub and show off some of his passing skills so that the Cavs can get some movement away from the ball, like enter it to him or Kevin and take advantage of their passing skills. So his assist might be able to go up a little bit too. He always gets steals. He always gets deflections. So I think he's got an outside shot. I'll put it that way. All right. I like it. Any other before the season, before it starts, comments, thoughts, ideas? I think Dylan Windler is going to be good. You think Dylan Windler is going to be good? Okay. I'm a Dylan Windler fan. He just knows how to play. He yeah. knows what he's doing out there. He moves the ball instead of stops it. The shot, I think, is going to continue to come. Like, the reason that he was drafted 26th overall is because he could shoot it mm-hmm. and because he could space the floor. So I'm not going to change my belief on his outside shot just because – um, he missed a full rookie season and didn't shoot it well in his first ever preseason. 
Is he a guy? I mean, what's his ceiling? Like I who, think what kind of like NBA, you know, ceiling would you get like, you know, comparatively? Look, he does a lot well. Yeah. He does a lot well. He can finish with both hands. He can pass with both hands. He can shoot and drive. There is a lot to like about Dylan. I get why the Cavs drafted him at the end of the first round. I get why a lot of playoff teams that were drafting in that same range with the Cavs, Golden State, San Antonio, I get why those teams were interested in Dylan. He's easy to blend into any lineup. He's got more length than you expect on the defensive end. I think he's athletic enough based on the skill set that he brings to the table. I don't know, man. Like, I think... I think one of the first guys off the bench in your rotation who helps you play winning basketball, that's probably his ceiling. I mean, that's really what you're looking for at the end of a first round, isn't it? Yep, that's exactly what you're looking for. I I would say. I just like him because he does a lot well, and he clearly has a really good understanding of how to play. And he moves more than anybody on this team. Like, they create so much movement with him on the court that I think you're going to notice him. And I think that's the best that I can say about a guy who missed his entire rookie season and lost that whole year of development. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, any, so, like I said, any, any, that's it. That's your last comment before the season starts. You're your, your last, that's the last opportunity you're going to have on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast to say anything <laughs> before the start of the 2020-2021 Cavalier season. I don't think I have any bold predictions. I'm sorry. I let you down from that standpoint. No, you didn't let no, you didn't let me down. I mean, heck, I just thought I thought mine was kind of bold, but no, it wasn't. So, um, you know, I'm just I'm excited. I'm just excited to see, you know, this team in action again, thankfully. Yeah, I'm with you. I do want to bring up one last thing because I think it's awesome and I and I think it would be remiss for us to not talk about it. Um, kind of the big news of the week for the Cavs actually wasn't on the floor. Um, you know, it got a lot of national attention, which I think it should have. I think so. Larry Nance Jr., obviously a, you know, a Clevelander through and through, um, doing some amazing stuff for small businesses here locally. Um, he's going to, you know, shout them out on, or shout them out on social media, make sure they get the attention and the love they deserve. He's going to wear their, you know, their stuff before games. If you send it to him, Uh, I just thought it was an awesome gesture and it just shows that Larry, I mean, I think we know this, you know, Larry is, is one of the best in the business in terms of just being a guy and being, you know, being down to earth and, and really trying to help and look out for people. And um, I think that the fact that he's from here definitely helps that, but I wanted to bring that up uh, just because we, first of all, we haven't talked much about Larry Nance Jr. today on the podcast. Second of all, I just think that um, it's a really awesome gesture and it's just one that he deserves to, uh, that deserves to be talked about. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, and to to basically see the response that that everybody had, and the only way we know this is because Larry tweeted about it. Right. To see the response and the buy-in that everybody had, I, I think that's great, and I think it just goes to show that you know people need and feel the need to come together. Um, yeah. At at this point in time, after everything that this world has been through over the last nine plus months and will continue to go through, um, continue to feel the after effects of it for months beyond. uh, Who knows? Who knows? Uh, It just goes to show that people are trying to come together. And if you give them a platform to come together and be something other than divisive, I think people are willing to do it. Enough people are willing to do it anyway. Not everybody, obviously. Absolutely. I think it's just I, just very cool that, you know, he thought of it and just, you know, I, I, I do. I feel horribly, you know, I feel horribly for, for the city of Cleveland, especially just because, like, you know, obviously, you know, it's a city that's near and dear to our hearts because we oh, live yeah. here. But, um, you know, it's been a shame to see so many places downtown um, have to close their doors and, and, yep. and leave and, and places just all over and small businesses are just getting absolutely crushed in this pandemic. And, um, I think anything we can do to help these business owners and to support each other locally and to come together, as you said, I think it's a beautiful thing. So 
definitely on board with Larry and, and can't wait to see what he's got, um, what he, you know, will do during this season. I think it's going to be amazing. I'm with you. And the other thing about Larry is he continues to find his voice more. Yeah. And maybe I'm seeing it in a way that other people um, saw it earlier than I did because I'm around it daily and I'm following him on Twitter and I'm following him on Instagram and I'm talking to him, not yeah. on a daily basis, but a lot with shoot arounds and with practice availabilities, even over Zoom. Right. Uh, he just seems more comfortable. He seems like he's finding his voice. And it's funny because we had we had a Zoom call for Media Week with Larry mm -hmm. and Jim Jones, the great Jim Jones. He didn't have a question for Larry. He just wanted to credit him for using his voice in such a positive way. And obviously, Jones has known him for a long time, being around Larry Nance Sr. But he, he just Larry. pointed, yes, exactly. <laughs> but he just pointed out the growth of Larry as a man, you know, yeah. not just a basketball player. We know how important he is as a basketball player. Right. But I thought it was interesting that during Media Week, Jones wanted to stop and give Larry credit for the man that he's become and, and using his voice the way that he is. And he's unapologetically himself. Yeah, which is great. And I think, you know, I think he could, you could, you could hearken that back to a lot of things. You could hearken that back to just, you know, being a, being a veteran now in this league, he's been, sure. having been around for a while and, and, you know, being comfortable at home, you know, he's home, he's in Cleveland, he's in a place where he is very familiar with, right. uh, you know, and, he also knows that there's an opening for that sort of thing in this yep. organization on this team with Tristan Thompson leaving. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Larry, I'm so I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing all the gear. I'm gonna probably have to pick up some myself. You know, I'm a I'm a gear Cleveland gear aficionado, so yeah. I'll be looking forward to what Larry puts out there. Uh, but Chris, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to um, finally get to see you cover actual basketball games i mean i know that we did the preseason and and that's great but i think it'll be um i think you'll be very excited to be back for a regular season basketball which will be awesome yep i'm looking forward to it man preseason has been a good window but there's been a lot of hurdles for the Cavs in the preseason more than they expected so i'm looking forward to seeing like truly who these guys are and what they can become and that's part of what you do when it comes to a young, growing team, right? You follow the evolution wherever it takes you. where, And you don't know where it's going to take you, that's for sure. No, you don't. You definitely don't. Um, and if you don't already, speaking of don't, if you don't already, sign up for uh, – follow Chris on Subtext. Sign up for Subtext. It's a 14-day free trial. It's uh, 3 dollars a month. You will get inside analysis, inside information from Chris daily on the Cleveland Cavaliers sent straight to your phone. Um, you can find the uh, you can find how to sign up on this post. So just go down to the page and you will see it. You can just put in your number and you'll be ready to go. So I said, like I said, 14 day free trial, $3.99 a month. Chris will send you all of the information and the analysis that you need on these Cleveland Cavaliers as they start the 2021 season. Um, thank you so much, Chris, again for joining us. And the next time we'll talk, we'll be in Cavaliers regular season mode, which will be fun. It'll be exciting. We'll be talking about actual games that matter. That's It'll right. Be great. And, if, uh, and I, I won't talk to you on the podcast, so if y'all are listening, have a beautiful holiday. Um, if you celebrate Christmas, if you don't, have a beautiful day in anyways. And uh, we will be back to you before the start of the new year. Um, but we will, like I said, we'll be in regular season Cavs basketball mode, which would be great. So thank you so much for joining us. We will talk soon. Have a great day and a beautiful holiday.